If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Proverbs 4. And uh, we're going to read from there in just a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and, God, for the reality of who you are. I'm so overwhelmed that you would save me. I could have never made it on my own, God. No one can. But you didn't leave us alone. You came to us, and we thank you for that. We pray today, God, that you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. God, let me decrease so you can increase. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in 1956, a man by the name of Johnny Cash recorded his first hit single that showed up in number one in the Billboard charts. The title of that song was called, I Walk the Line. And today, that's what my message is going to be, I Walk the Line. The uh, first verses in that song said, I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tide that binds because you're mine. I walk the line. Anyway, <clears throat> I walk the line. So, yeah, don't clap. That's all you're getting. <laughs> okay. I get, my question today is, did you ever walk the line before? Do you understand the phrase to walk the line? I understood that. My siblings understood that very well when we got ready to go into a store and dad lined us up and he said, now you keep your hands down to your sides. I don't want to see you touching anything in that store. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't know what it is about objects that are sitting on a shelf that causes a child to disobey their parents. I just know it happened. I'd walk in there and I'd think, and you know, they, I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you're in marketing, you know this. They put everything that's interesting for a kid at their eye level. Parents are up here, and that's not where the toys are at. The toys are down here, and all the candy bars are down there, and all the glittery things are down there, and so it's just natural. And I reached out and touched it, and without even realizing that I had transgressed, I felt power from on high. <laughs> I don't know what there is about those little hairs at the very back of your head, but I had no idea that they could cause such excruciating pain. And my dad got a hold of my, that hair and he started pulling on that and he said, I told you, hands at your side. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, let go of my hair. Man, walk the line. So, you know, we, uh, 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 there, 
it, it troubles me a little bit because I see, a, and I know I'm probably just seeing things that nobody else sees, but I, I see a generation that doesn't seem to know how to walk the line. I mean, you know, when, when I was growing up, I, I, I couldn't touch things in a store. I, I had to be very careful how I spoke to my parents. Anybody else? Walk that line. You, you, could, you couldn't just say anything to your parents and look, it's not like I didn't try. <laughs> it just wasn't worth the pain I went through. And so I, I, learned up, I learned quick to walk the line when it came to the way I talked to my parents or any adult for that matter. I had to make sure that I walked the line with my grades. I had to walk the line with the way that I behaved in public. And, and dad always had a wonderful explanation for it. I'm just doing this for your... I knew I had brothers somewhere. <laughs> I'm just doing this for your own good. My dad, when he would correct... How many of you know what a whipping is? There's a difference between a whipping and a spanking. I experienced both. I was blessed that way. But dad, dad had to get a hold of me with one hand. I don't know if you've ever run up here, Michael. No, I'm kidding. No. Dad, dad, dad would get a hold of me, and he'd, he'd have this hand with, hey, let's go down here. We need to move. Oh, let's go up here. We can move better. He would, he would have this, this hand would be locked on my wrist. With this hand, there was a belt, and we would do this number. <laughs> And the whole time, you know what I'm talking about? The whole, how many have ever done that dance? The whole time we're doing it, thank you, Michael. This is what I'm hearing. This is hurting me worse than it's hurting you. Oh, Dad, I don't want you to be in pain. Stop. <laughs> he was trying to teach me something. He was trying to give me a line to walk so that my life would have an intended outcome. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know what the thoughts are that I think toward you, saith God, and they're thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a hope and an expected end. What's he saying? He's saying what I'm doing, I'm doing because I have something in mind for you. And to be able to get that, you're, you're going to have to walk a line. It's amazing, isn't it? Because I never had any trouble. Any of you ever walk a two-by-four or railroad track? You know, you, you put a two-by-four in front of me, and buddy, I'm on it. I just think about the runway. You put that same two-by-four 10 feet up in the air, and it's a whole different story up there. I know. We were building a church, and we were putting up trusses. I had a truss and I had to climb up on that two by four and walk that two by four, the length of that building down to the other end. And I promise you, man, I am sweating bullets. I get to the other end and my leg is shaking so bad. It's like this. I got that, I've got that truss in my hand, and they said, let it go. I said, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Man, I, I, I thought I'm going to come off. There's something about, now hear me, because we don't have trouble just trying to walk any way we want to when all we're doing is walking in the gutter. 
But when you all of a sudden take a step up higher and you start reaching a plateau where God has ordained for you to be, the devil doesn't like that, and he's going to do everything he can to try and shut you down, to try and make you nervous and get you to stop that walk. I'm doing this for your own good. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Look straight ahead. Everybody say that with me. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you Mark out a straight path for your feet. Everybody say, a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. I read that, and I, th I thought about this, and I started applying this. I, I, okay, I, I get this. It says, that, that first line says, look straight ahead. When I was working for a farmer back when I was 17 years old, a couple years ago, he told me, he met me in the field, and he told me, he said, now, Rick, he said, I need you to keep these rows straight. I never, I had, I'm from Chicago, folks. I had never been on a tractor in my life, let alone driven one. And he said, I need you to keep the rows straight. And he said, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to fix your eyes on something at the end of that field, and you're going to keep your eye on that and drive that tractor, and that's going to keep your path straight. The, the, the path you're plowing will stay straight. And man, when I, got, when I got done, he looked at that and he said, you've never plowed a tractor or, or been on? I said, no, sir. He said, You'd never be able to tell it from looking at these fields. It's because I took serious what he said to me. But it wouldn't be fair not to tell you the battle I had doing what he told me to do. There's something about it, man, that when I, I'd look straight at that path, and man, I had a temptation to keep wanting to look someplace else. You ever been there before? Well, you know where your eyes ought to be fixed, but they keep wanting to wander someplace. Anybody ever struggled with that? If you got a cell, raise your hand if you have a cell phone. Oh, if you got a cell phone, you struggled with it. Well, you've been in the car, and all of a sudden a text comes in, and you know where your eyes belong. They belong looking in front of you, seeing where you're going, but you can't resist. <laughs> and, and man, it's taken more lives. It's destroyed. My, and it's all because for a second I wasn't looking where I was going. Look straight ahead. But there's kind of a paradox here because the next, the next verse, or the same verse, it's just in the next line. Watch what the next line says. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Now, wait a minute. And I thought about that. I thought, well, how... How can I look straight ahead 
if I'm trying to mark out a path for my feet. And then it dawned on me what the writer's saying, that there are times in life where you're able to just keep your eyes focused and look straight ahead where you're going. But there are other times when the path gets so treacherous that you have to watch every step you're taking. Everybody say it with me, watch your step. You see, if I'm climbing a rocky mountain, I can look up at the top, but then I have to look back down at where I'm getting ready to place my foot or the ground underneath me might give way. I've got to find a place for my step. I can't, I can't just look forward. There are times in life when things are running smooth, and I can just keep looking forward to what's in front of me. But there are other times when it gets treacherous, and I need each step to be safeguarded. I, I've got to make a safe path for my step. And maybe you've never climbed a mountain, but maybe you've been through a thick forest. Any of you ever been hunting before? And trying to weave your way through woods where there's a lot of underbrush. And, man, you've got to be careful because you'll get your feet tangled up in the underbrush. Well, what happens if you're not looking where you're going? I'm going to share that with you because I've experienced that. I took off running through the woods one night. Well, it wasn't quite night yet. It was getting close to it. And it didn't seem like there was any underbrush, so I'm just taking off, and I'm not watching my step. And I'm running down through there. I got a buddy in front of me, and about the time he said, hey, look out for that fence, I found it. <laughs> a bob wire fence I ran smack into, flipped upside down, hanging upside down with that gun in my hand, just hanging there and asking, hey, I need some help over here. See, when you don't watch your step, you're going to need help getting out of the mess you got in. I said, you're going to need help getting out of the mess you got in. You say, Pastor, that, neither one of those things apply to me. Well, let me, let me help you out here. Have you ever walked across the kitchen floor where a glass has been shattered? Oh, man. What, and somebody comes into the room, and what do you say to them? Watch your step. You're in some treacherous territory here. Watch your step. And I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to get through life without some things shattering on you. You're not going to navigate life without running into some treacherous places. And when you do, you need to know that there's someone there that's laid out a way for you because he wants to keep you safe. He wants to keep you safe. So, regardless of where we've been or what we were doing, at some point we all have experienced what it means to walk the line. But none of us have experienced it probably like this next man I want to tell you about. His name is Nick. And on June 23rd, 2013, Nick Wallenda walked the line. 
Now we have the latest death-defying feat by Nick Walenda. You'll remember he crossed over at Niagara Falls last year in a dramatic and record-setting feat. Well, now he's done it again, except this time he walked 1,500 feet over a gorge near the Grand Canyon in Arizona late Sunday. No safety net, no harness, and high winds whipping all around him. Praise you, God. It was the pulse-pounding, heart-stopping walk of his life. Filled with words of prayer, Nick Walenda put his life literally on the line Sunday night to be the first person to cross a gorge near the Grand Canyon. Help me to relax, Lord. With no safety harness, just his skill and balance, the 34-year-old inched his way across Hell Hole Bend an area known as the Little Grand Canyon, just east of the Grand Canyon National Park. It's kind of hard to relax when you're 1,500 feet above a canyon. Walenda was slow and steady, surviving on just a two-inch wide cable, 1,400 feet long. That's more than a quarter of a mile, and 1,500 feet off the ground, higher than the Empire State Building. Winds are way worse than I expected. Battling winds of up to 30 miles an hour, there was no shortage of nail-biting moments Jogging and hopping the last few steps, emotions flooded to the surface after Walenda made history again. It took every bit of me to stay focused that entire time. Did you hear what he said? It took every bit of me to stay focused. There are some places where you walk, you've got to keep your focus. Now, did you notice him praying on the way across there? He's praying, he's saying, God, help me to relax. He had Joel Osteen show up and pray for his trip, but Joel prayed the wrong prayer. See, Joe was praying to keep him safe when he should have been praying, give him sense. <laughs> why, why, why would you walk across that? But he, he, he did it, and man, and, he, and I mean, 30-mile-an-hour winds, no security cable hooked to him. If he goes off, there isn't but one way. Walk the line, a two-inch cable. Before Nick made that journey, he had to prepare himself, both physically and mentally, before he started. And I want to leave for your consideration that we have to do the same for the journey that we're on. We have to prepare ourselves spiritually. We have to prepare ourselves mentally. What do, you, what do you mean mentally? Look at Proverbs 23 and 7. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We need to seriously stop and think before we act. But we also need to think before we speak. How many of you have ever said something that got you in trouble? Let me, let me give you a picture of this word thinketh in Proverbs because it's the only place in Scripture that I found it to show up. You say, what, what do you mean it's the only place? There are other places where thinketh shows up. Yeah, but it's not the same word. See, the Bible wasn't written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And that Hebrew word for thinketh is a word that means to open like a keeper of a gate. Think about what it said. For as he thinketh 
so is he. He's saying you need to have someone guarding the gate because whatever you get going on in here is going to end up being what you become. As he thinketh, so is he. Look at Luke 6 and 45. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So let me ask you a question. Who is the gatekeeper of your heart? Who is it that's in charge of keeping your heart? Because whatever he thinketh, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart. You see, if you let it get in here, its next destination is here. And if you don't have a gatekeeper to keep, how many of you have ever had some bad thoughts before? You know, the old saying is you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. What, what are you getting at? I'm saying that if, if there's not a gatekeeper between here and here, we're in trouble. Anybody ever cut you off in traffic and you had a thought? And, and if that thought, if, if you don't have a gatekeeper to keep that thought from getting in here, they're going to arrest you. Because when you chase that guy down and pull him out of that car and have a talk with him about the rules of the road, they call that assault and battery in some instances. What are you saying? I'm saying I need a gatekeeper. Let me ask you this. If you're going to go away on vacation and you need a housekeeper, are you going to run downtown and just find somebody off the street and say, hey, buddy, I see, you, I see your sign. It says you've got no place to live and you need some food. Come to my house. I don't know you, but it's okay. I'm not going to be there for a week. Just make yourself at home. How many of you are going to do that? If you do, I, I can take you to some places where you can pick them up. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying... You, you guard who you allow in your home. You, you're not just going to let anybody come into your home and, and, and entrust them with your dwelling place because it means something to you and you're afraid that they may not appreciate it or value it the same way that you do. I'll hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. If you'll take that kind of concern with something that's made out of brick and stone, how much more should you have concern about who you allow into your dwelling place here? Because this, my friend, is what's going to make the difference of where we spend eternity at. I need a gatekeeper. And let me, can I tell you this? I don't trust myself to keep that gate. I, I've had too many thoughts tried to get from here to here. And I've learned through life that I cannot trust myself to keep that gate. There's only one individual that I ever found that I could trust, and I mean cast my care on him because he cares for me, and his name is Jesus. If you let him be the gatekeeper, he's going to make sure that you don't wind up out in the middle of a gorge with no safety net under you. Everybody say, I walk the line.
Psalms 141 and 3 said, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. How many of you think that it's important to watch what you say? Wait, just wave your hand like this if you think that's important. If you don't, just keep on talking. Because sooner or later, it's going to get you in trouble. How many of you have ever gotten in trouble over something you said? I am a quick learner. Unfortunately, the way I learned is usually really painful. And so when I was a child growing up and my mom gave me a, how many of you know what a switching is? Oh, yeah. That switching is kind of like a whipping, but it's used with a tree. And that we, we used to have to go pick our own switch. And she said, now, if you bring me some twig in here, I'm going to send your brothers after a switch. And if you sent my brother after a switch, they're ripping down a limb to bring in. Here, Mom, wear them out. And man, I'll never forget, Mom gave me a switch in because of something I did. I wasn't walking the line. She gave me a switch in over something I did. <laughs> And then dad gave me a whipping over something I said while I was getting the switching. <laughs> I'm telling you, after that, I just wanted to keep a roll of duct tape handy because it was like, I don't ever want to go through that again. Have you ever been through some things in life where God had taught you a lesson and you don't ever want to have to repeat that lesson? It's kind of like, okay, I get it, God. I've got it. We're good. Walking the line. So we need to set a guard, not just at our heart, but over our mouth. But here's a question. What about, what, what do we do when we can't see the way? I mean, how many of you have ever had a situation in your life where you just didn't know what to do? Where all of a sudden you can't, you can't see the way. I, I want to do what's right, but I... I can't see the way. Paul even talks about this. In the seventh chapter of Romans, if you read that, you hear Paul's discourse over him saying, I, I want to do what's right, but I end up doing what's wrong. What's he saying? I, I can't see what I need to do. I, I, and when I get in those places, I, I need help to be able to walk that line. Listen to this. Listen to Proverbs 23 and 19. My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. What's he saying? He said, if you can't see where to go, listen. In God's Word, in the translation, God's Word, it, it says it this way. My son, listen, be wise, and keep your mind going in the right direction. Let me show you why it's so important to listen. Run that clip, please. Hey, everybody, as Nick takes a step out onto the wire, let's try and, and hold the cheers yeah, down nice until and quiet, he reaches please, the other everybody, side. Nice and quiet. He needs to hear me tell him I gotta when hear to my take dad. He's the steps. one telling me my steps. Walk out a little, boys. Thanks for your cooperation. Chicago, Illinois, 94 feet across, 588 feet to the Sorry, street. Sorry, go ahead and turn it on. We good? Yep. 
two steps. Looking good. Two steps. Another step. Slide. Halfway there. Two steps. sucks. Coming in. Three feet. One more step. Grab you. Blindfolded when he couldn't see the way. Did you hear what he said? He was telling the crowd, be quiet. Please be quiet. I need to hear my dad. He's going to direct my steps. When you don't know where to go and you don't know how to get there and you feel like you're in the dark and you don't have a clue what direction you ought to go, you've got to listen. Be able to listen and follow his voice. Let him guide you. If I can hear you say, Pastor, I, I, how am I supposed to hear God? I've only heard God audibly one time in my life and it saved my life. But I've heard him multiple times in my head speaking to me don't do that you know that's not right don't don't go that way and i learned something i learned that if i could discern my father's voice that he had the ability to get me where i was going safely Somebody say safely. The scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Years ago when I didn't know the way, and I was praying, God, show me the way. And I was so, man, I was so tore up in my heart because, you know, I didn't know what to do. I, I felt like I knew which way I was supposed to go. But, but the consequences, if I made the wrong step, were going to be dramatic. And I prayed, and I remember when I prayed that night, I dreamt. And in my dream, I dreamt that I was loading up a filing cabinet, and I took the filing cabinet outside. I put it in the back of a pickup truck, and when I put it in the pickup truck, I closed the tailgate like that. And when I did that to the tailgate, the truck took off without me in it. And I'm going, oh my goodness. And I jumped in a car following my truck through town. I watched my truck go up to a stop sign. It's getting ready to, I'm thinking, go through this, man, and there's going to be a bad wreck. And the truck stopped. And then it turned right. And I thought, what is going on? And I followed that truck all the way into the next town, a place called Benson. And when I, I, I followed it in Benton, I see it, I see it giving a turn signal. I thought, what is going on? And it makes a left-hand turn, and it goes down this hill, and it goes into a parking lot. And, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this truck is going to crash into this parking lot. But it, it pulls up, and you know those, those concrete parkers or whatever they're called, the, the 
curbs. It, it, it hit the curb and it stopped. And I thought, oh, thank goodness. When it stopped, the tailgate came down. The filing cabinet came out. It was on wheels. And it went rolling out of the truck, headed toward the building that had a glass door. And it's headed right for that door. And I'm going, now, I, I'm, I'm not making this up. I had this dream. I see this cabinet going toward that glass door, and I'm thinking, oh, God, please don't let it crash through that glass door. And right before it got to the door, somebody opened the door from the inside and came out, and that cabinet went right in behind him into the building. I'm going, man, I can't believe this. And I run into the building, and I see the cabinet going around a corner. I thought, what is going on? It goes into a room. I run into the room in time to see the cabinet roll to a wall, bump the wall, and stop. Now, here's the crazy thing. (laughs) I like the rest of that wasn't crazy. (laughs) The cabinet ended up exactly where I was going to take it. And I was, as I was waking up, I heard God speak to me and say, if you'll let me do the driving, I'll get you exactly where I want you to be. I'll get you exactly. I'm not, I'm not talking about a figment of my imagination. I'm not talking about leaning on religion because I'm weak. I'm talking about a God that's powerful, that has his hand directly involved in our lives if we'll let him. Somebody say, I walk the line. If we will walk the line, he'll get us where we're going even when we can't see the way. You remember a man in Scripture by the name of Bartimaeus? Alex, can I borrow you? Bartimaeus was a blind man. Because he was blind, the law required that he wore a garment signifying he was blind so that anyone, anyone, it's inside out, but he can't tell because he can't see. Any, anyone, anyone that seen him, the reason they wore this garment is that so anyone could see the garment and know he can't see where he's going. So if somebody's coming down the main street, well, I can't see where I'm going either. If somebody's coming down the main street with a horse and buggy, they, they know he can't see them, and so they're more cautious. There's a crowd of people that have come out of Jericho, and they, he hears them say, it's Jesus. Now, while he can't see, there's nothing wrong with his hearing. And he's heard about what Jesus can do. As a matter of fact, the Scripture said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so all of a sudden, this blind man jumps up and starts screaming out, Son of David! Son of David! Have mercy on me. And everybody around him saying, man, just shut your mouth. He, ain't, he doesn't have time for a blind man. Like, I'm just giving you the reality of it. I mean, it's not like you can't relate to that. How many of you have been in a situation in our culture today when if you're trying to talk about God, it's, hey, shut your mouth. I don't want to hear that mess. We, you, you, you're, you're intolerant. You're just a hate monger. Isn't it odd how that the only people that are hate mongers are the one that are trying to speak life and love? 
But he didn't listen to what everybody else was saying. He knew, I got one shot at this. And so he cried out the more. Son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, just be quiet. He's not going to hear you. And then the unthinkable happened. A man that could not see his way all of a sudden found the way. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the what? I'm the way, the truth, and the light. And what does he say? He turns around and he says, Tell him to come to me. Now people hear this and they don't get what happened. Let me share this with you. Because a lot of people are going, Well, how come Jesus doesn't go to him? He can't see. Hear me. If he doesn't go to where you're at, he'll show you the way to get to where he's at. Stay with me here. All those people that a moment ago had been crying out, keep your mouth shut. He doesn't have time for you. Just be quiet. In one moment, Christ turned them into GPS units. <laughs> All of a sudden, Siri was in the house. <laughs> and he said, he said, he tells them, bid him come. In other words, let me put it in plain English. Tell him to come to me. What's he saying? Show him the way. So all of a sudden, this guy takes his garment off. What's he doing? Is he, is he healed yet? No. But his faith is crying out in his darkness and saying, I am not going to be the same again. He's calling me. He's been, and all of it, and everybody that had been giving him down the road all of a sudden said, The master's calling you. And even though he can't find his way, they're helping him find his way. God has a way of getting you to him when you don't know how, when you can't see. And all of a sudden, when he got there, he said, What do you want? He could have ask for anything but what good is it if I gain the whole world and lose my own soul he said Lord that I might receive my sight doesn't matter what you achieve in this life you're going to leave it all behind I don't know how many of you are aware Garth Coons passed away this past week he was a pioneer in Christian television. He took a single station in Marion and turned it into a multi-million dollar television. He's got programs all across the United States. But that didn't keep him alive. And everything that he achieved is now left to someone else. But only those things that he achieved naturally what he achieved by walking the line with God. He's getting ready to go collect right now. <laughs> he's already, I know there's going to be a service and all that, but he's already in the presence of God rejoicing. Because God not only teaches you how to walk the line, he shows you the way home. Give him a hand, would you? Thank you. <laughs> Bartimaeus isn't the only one that had trouble trying to figure out where he was. Bartimaeus is a blind beggar. But there's another man that was a prophet. And through the words of Jesus himself, 
was declared more than a prophet. He said, out of all that had been born among women, there's not greater than, one, than John the Baptist. But John found himself in a place he didn't understand. He's trying to navigate a path he never thought he'd be on. While Jesus is out doing miracles, John is locked up in prison. And John can't figure out why. Jesus had gone into the synagogue and took the book of Isaiah and read from it where it said, I've been sent to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those that are captive, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And yet John is still in prison. And so John sent disciples asking them, go to him and find out if he's the one I was looking for or should I be looking for another? Oh, don't tell me you haven't been there. Don't tell me that there have been times in our lives when all of a sudden things happened that we didn't understand and we felt like, God, where you had? I mean, if, 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 if you can do what you say you can do, then how come I'm still here? We find ourselves in a blind spot. Every car has one. You can't make a journey without the blind spot. That's why it's so important to be able to take time to look and see that blind spot because if you don't, that's where the accident comes. And John is blindsided by his arrest and by Jesus' lack of coming to his rescue the way John thought he ought to. But when, he got, when they got there, Jesus looked at the disciples and said, you go tell, show John again. Everybody say again. How many of you have ever had to be reminded? On every mission trip I ever took, I had two people that were assigned to me. And their job was to remind me. I would tell, that was, that was what they had to do. I'd tell them, I said, you remind me to do this. And then the other one's job was not only to remind me, but to keep up with me. I said, you, here, you, you carry this case. It's got all the receipts in it. That's your responsibility. I love assigning responsibility. <laughs> you, you have to keep up with me. You... How many of you know that God's got big hands? <laughs> Every, all, all your stuff and all your mess, he's well able to keep up with. <laughs> If you'll just give it to him. Paul said, I know in whom I've trusted and whom I believed, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that, that I commit to him against that day. So when he tells John, he, he's saying, just remind him. John knows, but he needs to be reminded because sometimes we're overcome by our situation. And we need to be reminded the one that's bigger than our situation. And so he said, you go tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell John that, and they're getting ready to walk away. And Jesus says, hey, one more thing, guys. You tell John, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Can I put that in plain English for you? Tell John that if you can walk through this life without throwing your hands up and quitting because of what you're going through, you're going to be one blessed individual. <laughs> I've not forgotten you. I know right where you're at, and I'm going to show you the way home. Would you stand with me today?
I walk the line. Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Her name was Eve Gordon and she had to walk the line. And it was a difficult line to walk. It was Christmas Eve of 1940. Eve was stationed in London. She was a special duty nurse at a London hospital. She'd been assigned to the care of a desperately ill German college student. He had pneumonia and they didn't think he would make it through the night. And the German student looked at Eve and said, please keep me awake. Don't let me go to sleep. I'm afraid if I go to sleep, I'm not going to wake back up. Keep me awake. And all night long, Eve had to toe that line. What would I tell him? It was Christmas. And so Eve painstakingly took time and told that young German student about his arrival. She talked about the star that broke the darkness in the sky. She told of the wise men that had journeyed long, the shepherds that had a choir of angels appear to them. She talked about the lowly manger, those that came and laid down their best at his feet. And the angel's words, don't be afraid. Rejoice, for unto you a Savior is born. And after she told him those stories, when he'd start to nod off, she'd nudge him, and she sang every Christmas carol she could think of all night long. With the break of day, not only did Christmas arrive, but a miracle of sorts arrived for the young boy. The young man's danger had passed. Pneumonia was clearing from his lungs and he recovered all. You have to keep walking the line. A few years later, found Eve no longer in London, but she was in one of the Norwegian villages in Norway. War, World War II had broken out, and she was sent to Norway. Germany had occupied Norway, and she was sent there as an agent. She was now a doctor, and under the cover of the doctor, and she was a very excellent skier. And so they sent her there and used her as their point person. Somehow, someone uncovered her identity. German authorities showed up, and they grabbed her, and she knew she would have been found out. She prayed a quick prayer and said, God, please, let my death come quickly. Don't let them torture me. They 
manhandled her and threw her into a room. And then the room stood a German officer, walked up behind her and drew his pistol. And she thought, God has answered my prayer. The end will come quickly. And as she turned around to face him and he saw her, it was the same student that she had recovered and been up with him all night long. He took the pistol and put it back in his holster, pointed to the back door and said, I give you back your Christmas. And she fled with her life. When it's dark and you don't know the way, when it seems like hell has gotten a hold of you, when it seems like there is no way out, listen, he's guiding you. And because she was willing to walk the line three years earlier, that line led her to her escape. How about you? He's not obligated to deal with our heart more than once. For he died for us once and for all. Oh, but I'm so glad for his mercy that has pulled on my heart over and over again. Times that I was lost and I didn't know the way. I was kicking up against authority, doing my own thing. During those years, there were so many times I got into treacherous territory. And he faithfully showed me the way out time and again. Why? Somebody say, love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And Jesus walked the line for us, even when it led to Calvary. And yet the writer of Hebrews says, now looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, despised the shame of the cross. In other words, was willing to go through it because he knew what was at the end of the road. Us. How about it today? If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, my path is taking a turn that I'm not sure of. I want to get back in line with God. I, I want to make sure that I'm walking the straight way. This isn't about how holy we are. It's about how holy He is and about the fact that He wants to rescue us even from ourselves. So if you're in this building today, and those that are watching online, I wonder if you take a moment right now where you're at and just stretch your hands to heaven and invite Him into your heart. Some of us are walking the right way, but we're on a crossroads and we're not sure. Do we go left or right here? Listen, 
listen and he'll show you the way father we stand before you today asking you god to guide our path to direct our life to keep us from a path of destruction and bring us into the way of life rescue us lord and help us hear your voice in jesus name amen if you're in here today and you need prayer you may be sick in body he's a god that's a healing god you may be here today and you're looking for specific direction or an answer to a question he can provide that for you but you have to acknowledge him somebody say acknowledge him Scripture said that if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will direct our path. I'm going to give you just a moment today. If you're here and you need prayer, would you come right now as they sing this song? Is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus.
let me share this with you. Remember the dream? I was so nervous. I was so... And God was trying to take some of that pressure off of me. What God was really doing was saying, Son, just relax. I know where you're at. I'm going to get you where you're going. As long as you keep your eyes on me and you keep your love in me, you're not going to have to worry about getting lost. I'm going to get you exactly where I want you. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. He's going to get you exactly where he wants you. The Lord bless and keep you and make his face smile upon you. May you discover him in the morning and find him as you go out and you come in. Knowing that there's not a road you're going to take that he hasn't already traveled, not a path you're going to cross that he hasn't navigated the way. And so wherever you are, look up because he's right there with you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Yeah.